everyone. Welcome back to the Permission to Pivot podcast. I'm your host, Jasmine, and want to welcome you to season two of the podcast where we're talking all about how to master your mindset. Today's guests are two of my favorite therapists, counselors in training. I'm so excited to be able to chat with them and get perspective about how um, pivots have influenced their journey, um, particularly as mental health professionals. Um, so today we have Alexis and Karima. Um, can the two of you share with our audience a little bit about who you are, where you're at, and what you do? Um, hi, everyone. My name is Karima Smith. I am currently a fifth-year um, student, a doctoral candidate in the Counseling Psychology Program at Auburn. Um, and I'm also on my, um, so in Counseling Psychology and Psychology in general, you have to do an internship. So I'm on my internship um, currently at the University of Virginia, working in their counseling center. Hey y'all. hey, y'all. My name is Alexis Jones. I am also a fifth-year doctoral candidate at Ooh. Auburn University's Counseling Psychology Program. Um, I'm not an intern. I'm applying an internship yet now, um, but right now I'm still kicking it at Auburn, um, hoping to be an intern next year. So thanks for yep. having us, chat. It's giving doctoral candidates low. I love it. Okay. Two, two future doctors in the room. And you know, I'm all about that. Um, so I want to jump into today's conversation. Um, and I'm curious to know, because both of you all are in the mental health space, um, in the counseling space, how have you seen um, mindset play a pivotal role in how people navigate pivots and transitions? And sort of what's been your experience with that as you work with clients? I can just give a little perspective around I think that this idea of pivoting can feel really really scary to people and thinking about taking a leap doing something different um sometimes you know you're used kind of used to doing the kind of doing the thing that you've been used to doing and so I try to talk to folks a lot about just being able to kind of have compassion for yourself and I think that 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 idea around compassion can be really helpful when you're making a really big change or pivot um, just kind of thinking about, um, yeah, how to be kind to yourself, how to not be judgmental to yourself as you maybe want to do something different or think about something different than you've done before. Um, I always like to say, like, you know, as humans, I think the thing that is coolest about us is that, like, if you want to change, you can change, right? Like, you can decide tomorrow, hey, this thing is something that I don't, I no longer feel like fits or um, aligns with me, and I want to do something different, and you can. And so, um, yeah, I think that 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 can kind of go into the the place around pivoting as well too. Definitely retweet everything you said. Um, I think change is inevitable. I think life is all around changes and pivots. And I come personally, and even when I think about from like a therapeutic stance, that our thoughts influence everything. I think our thoughts not only influence like our emotions, but I think they also influence our behaviors. And so when we think about pivoting, I think the way in which we think about pivoting will influence what will happen when it follows into Karima's point, you know, we have to give ourselves compassion with that. You know, if we're not giving ourselves compassion around the pivoting, then oftentimes if we're like having so many negative thoughts around it, then it can maybe even influence the way in which the pivot is even able to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my opinion, mindset is everything when yeah. it comes to pivot. Yeah, absolutely. I love how both of you, I'm a firm believer, Alexis, like you said, that like our thoughts have the potential, they influence everything, right? Um, like you said. And so I love that you 
highlighted that because ultimately like change, pivots, transitions, whatever you want to call it, that like if we can wrap our minds around how to do it well, quote unquote, well, right. Um, but if we just wrap our minds around what that means and how those changes have impact, right, then our experience through a pivot or in a pivot, right, can look different, right? Even when the things that are outside of our control or the inevitable happens and the things that we can't predict happen, if our mindset is in a good space, then hopefully, right, we're able to navigate that with a bit more great resilience, compassion. Prima, I want to lean into a little bit about what you said about cultivating compassion for self because I just love the language of that. And I'm curious to know what what does that look like and how do folks cultivate compassion for themselves? Um, if you could talk a little bit about maybe what that experience has looked like for you. Yeah, so I think the I can even just speak to the journey of becoming and still becoming a clinician. Um, I had I have had to try to find a lot of compassion for myself as I like stumble through what it looks like to kind of lean into this role. Um, and Alexis knows this probably better than anybody else um, because she was often the person like reminding me to try to find that compassion, recognizing that like, hey, we're not experts in this thing. We all had to be new at one point in time. One day we're going to look a year. She always just say a year from now, we're going to look back on this and laugh at ourselves for even being so afraid of this thing that we're afraid of right now. And so just being able to be kind to ourselves when it's really easy, like Alexa was saying, for your thoughts to kind of go into the negativity piece or and I don't even like to even go from a dichotomy of positive and negative, but to go down to go toward I am not good. I'm not able. I'm not mm -hmm. capable in trying to say this is difficult, right? Like that's compassion too. This is, a, this is really hard. I haven't done this before. Mm -hmm. um, and I do have tools and resources and support and community to kind of help me navigate through this thing. Um, and so, yeah, I'm still stumbling through like this piece around what it means to be a clinician and constantly having to remind myself to like be gentle with myself around this piece, like recognizing that I don't need to be an expert. I There's never a point where being an expert is going to be necessary, but being authentic, coming um, into the space with curiosity, um, always kind of checking in with myself, those types of things can be really helpful with um, kind of maintaining that compassion. Yeah. So it sounds like how how you've been able to cultivate compassion really is about like the conversation that you're having with yourself. Um, and it seems like you leaned into a bit of your community and helping your community, helping to remind you of how to cultivate that. And so Alexis, because you are often the sounding board, um, I'm curious to know for folks who maybe are learning how to have better conversations with themselves, if you could speak to um, how community can be helpful as folks really learn how to have better conversations with yourself, how your community can be a part of helping you to learn how to do that better. And so I think in everything, and it's so funny you're asking me this because I think this is how Karima sees the world in terms of how we, none of us are supposed to be here alone. None of us are supposed to exist as a sole individual. We're in every space where it's supposed to be communal. Um, and so with that, um, figuring out ways in which to trust your community, always leaning on your community, because oftentimes what we find is that people are suppressing their feelings so much, 
And so whether that's their anxiety around pivoting or whether that's the, the fear they may have around it and we're suppressing things so much to the point where now it's exasperated. And that's sometimes where we see some of those like um, unhelpful mental health effects. And so I think community is so important in everything that we do and, and trying to really figure out the communities in which you can um, lean on about certain things. And sometimes I think we're looking for an answer. And I think also normalizing, sometimes it's just getting it out. Sometimes it's just like, mm -hmm. I'm talking to you because I just need you to listen. Um, I just need you to hear me. I need, like I said, I just need to get this out, put this in the atmosphere. And I think even sometimes it's helpful even being intentional and sharing that with your community community, so it relieves the pressure of that person to feel as though they have to have an answer because sometimes life is not about having an answer either. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I'm on this journey and I need you to walk in it with me. Um, and I think that really speaks to the communal piece around a lot of this as well. Yeah. and. And I think, like you said, right, that so often we are, for whatever reason, not sharing and not being vulnerable with our community in the moments where, like, we need people and we actually desire for someone to walk alongside it, alongside of us and how that trust in community helps sometimes us to get outside of ourselves and outside of the situation, the experience that we're having I um, mean, often see it from a different perspective. And like you said, sometimes it's just like, I just need to get rid, like, I just need to release some of this energy, some of this anxiety that I'm feeling. And I just need you to listen. I'm not asking for advice. Like, I know that this, this too shall pass. And I understand all of that. But like, this is consuming my mental space. And so I just need, I need to have someone to talk through it with. And so um, I think about, because I know both of you all have transitioned um, and moving to Auburn and even um, as you all um, go into your internship and then having to relocate to different places. I'm curious how those pivots um, influenced you, what challenges you all experience in those pivots, because I also know that those things aren't easy. And as we talk about community, um, how you had to rebuild and like lean into and create new communities that could be a part of supporting you as um, you all through that transition. <laughs> um, so I know for myself, um, my whole life I moved. My father's in the military. I'm used to moving every two to three years. And I think I learned at a very early age to be adaptable and flexible. Um, and to be honest, vulnerable. I literally remember being in eighth grade, trying to figure out where I'm going to sit in the cafeteria. And explicitly going to the bathroom because I, you know, it was very, very scary. And I remember the next day, okay, I'm going to ask somebody. Can I sit with them? And so I think for me, like I said, very early around like navigating these unknown spaces and try to be intentional around building that community. Um, and so for me, moving to Auburn, to be completely honest, I was spoiled. Um, I went into a program and my cohort was five women. Three of us were black and we lived together. And so it was a natural built-in community that felt so mm -hmm. safe so quickly. I had an assistantship in a diversity office where majority of the folks were black um, and felt very supportive. And so I think for me um, in particular, that pivot was one um, that didn't come with a lot of hurdles as it relates to community. I think I found community very fast. I think the hurdles came from the academic aspect. Mm. Um, ain't nothing easy about getting a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> not even a little bit and so I think majority of the hurdles that I found was being almost navigating 
myself, being a hurdle within myself around having this imposter syndrome, um, not thinking I'm good enough. And so that's when I leaned on the community to um, just encourage me, um, listening, listen to Mm -hmm. cry about the same thing 5011 times. (laughs) Um, But as it related to finding the community, um, I feel really blessed and felt as though I found it really quickly. What about you, Freeman? So <laughs> this is gonna feel like an echo because one of those three black women that, or two black women that she lived with was me. So it was us and somebody else, um, which was amazing. Like like Alexis shared, like just being able to have kind of a built-in community, especially. I mean, when I moved to Auburn, I moved to a place that I've been to once before. Knew no one else within um, within the state, right? And so being able to have um, all aspects of the community of home, but then also also working in the diversity office, like very similar, like having Jasmine as my supervisor in that space, like all of those things were very, very supportive um, and made that transition one in which it could have, it could have went very differently if yeah. it was for all of those kind of built in spaces of community that if I hadn't had already built in, I would have sought out because of how important um, that is, I think, to just kind of navigating the world, like um, Alexis mentioned earlier. Um, I do think now that I've kind of pivoted to this next piece around internship, um, it's funny because I, I've kind of started to have this realization. I'm like, every space I go into, like, I find, like, I, I find a community, it'll come. And so for now, it's like my co-interns as well have kind of become that too. So again, this kind of echo around community being really important. But to um, again, the point Alexis is making, like the imposter syndrome is so strong mm-hmm. navigating this space. Um, and I kind of said this in my in the beginning, my first the answer to my first question around just really kind of struggling with what does it look like to develop my identity as this professional, as a clinician, as a future psychologist, um, and kind of struggling through that and then having to really lean it, lean into, lean on people to assure you that like you're supp- you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And also kind of recognizing, I don't know if, we, if I should get into this, but I am, but like recognizing like the, the way the system is built makes you feel like you're not supposed to be in the space. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how it's kind of designed. And so like you in itself, like you being within that space in itself is like pushing back against that. And so um, just having to kind of really remember those things that are really important. Um, I don't even know if I'm answering the question anymore, but basically. No, yes. <laughs> no I, I am um, thankful to have been a part of both of your villages, right? While you're, while you were at Auburn um, and glad to know that even now that you're removed from Auburn in different ways, right? That you still have found community ways to stay connected to each other and other folks, right? And so that, like Karima said, like, regardless of where I go, some like, I always find the people that I need in the moments that I need them. And so i um, glad that that continues to be an, an, an intentional aspect of like where you all are. I want to lean in a little bit more to this imposter syndrome um, because I think that transition often can trigger imposter syndrome in different ways. And so I'm curious to know... Um, within your PhD journey or even other transitions and pivots that you've had in life, what have been some of the things that have triggered your imposter syndrome? Um, And what are some of the things that you've done that have helped you to combat and navigate what it Mm -hmm. means to exist sort of with this state of like, I don't deserve to be here. Oh, go ahead, Alexis. You're Um, asking. (laughs) 
Um, I think in comparison is the deep joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think comparison oftentimes can bring up a lot of um, feelings of not feeling enough. Um, seeing if somebody else who's in a similar weather, like age, whatever, um, year in school as you, and it, from from the way that you see it, right, that they're doing more, I think that can bring a lot of, um, mm-hmm. and with that, I think comes social media. I think social media is such a blessing, and it's also a curse, because social mm-hmm. media is not like real. But I think mm-hmm. sometimes get that. And so with that, if you're constantly like consuming things and someone, let's say y'all are in a similar field, um, and it just seems like, oh, all these people got it together. I don't have nothing together. Um, I think that brings up a lot of imposter syndrome. So oftentimes, I know for me, on the social media piece, I take a lot of breaks. I take a whole bunch of breaks. And then when I'm on social media, I, I um, now in your settings, you can put a timer. I get a notification. All right, you meet you reached your maximum for today. Let me find something else to do. And so mm-hmm. that is something that has been helpful for me. Um, and I think it also just navigating those feelings of imposter syndrome. You know, we're we're, we're redundant in saying this, but leaning on my community. And so oftentimes, Cream and I have engaged in a lot of conversations where, you know, reminding each other of the things we have accomplished. Um, sometimes you need people in your corner who. Um, has been on that journey with you. And mm-hmm. so when you're having difficulty seeing things, they remind you of your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that's been super helpful for me. Yeah. Yes, all of that. <laughs> I, I retweet that. Um, yeah. I also think that yeah, everybody knows me knows I like think this around like this idea of just worthiness because of existence and like really believing that and telling yourself that as you navigate like this these feelings of being an imposter in these spaces again the imposter syndrome is linked to this idea I'm gonna have this just cold capitalism at one point in this podcast so like the idea that like we're like in the society that makes us believe that our worth is tied to like who we are as a worker or like Mm -hmm. to be productive and if you kind of just like start to slowly just even just have an awareness around that and try to kind of separate yourself from that, it can be empowering to know, like, I'm literally worthy because of, because of because of the fact that I exist. And mm-hmm. then I would say that the imposter syndrome doesn't come up because it does. And I, I mean, I'm not at first when you ask the question, I kind of chuckle because I'm like, man, how am I about to tell somebody what to do around this when I'm navigating it actively right now in right. this space? Right. Um, again, I go back to worthiness because of existence. Now, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to accomplish anything. I don't have to achieve anything just because of the fact that I'm here. I'm worthy. And so then remembering that and remembering that, like you say, you lean on, like Alexa said, you lean on community. You remind yourself all the things you have contributed. You recognize kind of what brought you into the field that you're wanting to go into. If you're pivoting into something new, Reminding yourself why you decided to pivot into this new thing in the first place and remembering like what has brought you into that space and leaning into that as well, too. Yeah. And I think that I, th- I appreciate both of you. All right. Being transparent about like this, this journey, particularly in Ph.D. programs, but just like outside of just as like black women. Right. Like this journey through life and in industries and all of these things trying to achieve that, like there are there are various moments for various reasons, right? It's comparison. Sometimes it's just like, I feel like I'm not on the same pace as other folks or whatever it may be that like it comes up and that 
when we can get into a mindset, Karima, as you said, that like, because I exist, like I'm worthy to be in any space that hopefully our perspective of self is um, influenced by that, right? And, and like you said, it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with it, right? It just means that hopefully our perspective is different. Um, the conversations that we're having with our community likely look a little different. And then ultimately, like, whenever, I know whenever I experience a struggle with imposter syndrome, like, I really just need to go find the people who are going to tell me, like, you really own your shit, right? <laughs> like, because sometimes it's like, I think that I don't know what I know, or I think I haven't done what I've done and I forget. It's easy for us to forget. And so I'm like, yeah, sometimes I just need my community to, like, hype me up and to remind <laughs> me, like, you actually have done a lot and you tripping just a little, right? To validate the feelings, but also to say like, you've done a lot, right? And you're you're worthy and deserving to be in the space. Um, I'm curious, I wanna pivot a little bit because both of you all are um, therapists in training, counselors in training. Um, not that I wanna get some free therapy, but you know what, you wanna help the listeners a little bit. So I'm curious <laughs> to know um, what questions or things can, as people, prepare for pivots or maybe are in the early stages of pivoting, what are some questions or things they can be asking themselves um, mm -hmm. to help them transition with ease and with success in whatever way they define it? But also what are some things that they maybe can be asking of their community um, to ensure that they have the support that they need through their transition? And I'll start with That's a great question. Karima. Yeah. I think my first thing was it kind of kind of going back to what I mentioned before, like what excites you? like really just kind of starting to get into like what excites you about this change, this pivot that you're going to make? And then what scares you about it? Right. Mm -hmm. And being open with yourself around those things um, and then being able to kind of maybe see if there are moments where because if once you know what excites you versus what scares you, then you can also start to identify Maybe where there are moments where you might be operating based on that fear, right, or that uncertainty um, versus operating from, like, that place of excitement. And, again, having compassion around all of that because all of it is valid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, there's just, you know, fear isn't just in a vacuum. There are reasons that it's scary. Um, but just being able to really be reflectful, reflect um, full about that. And then the other piece is with the community, I think, um, asking them to just kind of check in, right? That sometimes when you're in this kind of season of transition, I think from what I've seen from myself and from others, you can kind of like go inward and like just kind of separate yourself away from people. And so you might want to be intentional around saying to my community, like I might not be as present as I usually am. And I would love for you to like pull me back in, <laughs> like mm -hmm. make sure that I'm like connected, connect back to me. And it's not because I don't want to be connected with you. It's because I'm trying to kind of figure out this, this season of change. Um, I feel like that happened a lot in grad school. Like there are moments where we had these um, milestones and it's like <laughs> we're talking to our community less. And it's not because we don't want to talk to them or connect with them, but because we're like in a season of transition trying to kind of get into that, go to that next step. So um, I think that can be helpful. I think Karima said was amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is real good. I guess the only thing I would have to add is not necessarily like questions to reflect on, um, but would encourage folks to really be reflective of 
what that process may look like for them. And so what I mean by that is um, being intentional around setting your goals and also while you're setting your goals, give yourself um, that compassion we've been um, continuously <laughs> talking about because while it's important um, to be intentional and in figuring out what is the goal, um, at the same time, you know, there things can change, right? One thing I think that we haven't intentionally said in this conversation, but I think that has been reflective in this conversation is there's so many ebbs and flows of life and some, mm -hmm. some of them you cannot prepare for. And so mm -hmm. in that understanding that everyone's journey is different, everyone's story is different, um, and the goal can be achieved, it, it just may look a little different. Mm -hmm. um, and so, having that compassion within yourself to trust your journey, whatever it is that it may look like um, from the beginning, being goal-oriented, goal-oriented, and giving yourself to be flexible and pivot. Yeah. I love... Oh, go Sorry, ahead. Prima. Go ahead. Sorry. Let's add, add, as Alexis kind of mentioned, like, you know, this thing that we are kind of saying without saying, I think that there's this piece too where like this theme for us has been like, community and leaning on folks. And I, I'm thinking, I'm, I guess I'm thoughtful right now about maybe some people will listen to this and they don't feel like they, they, that they necessarily have that. And so um, I, I think that trying to kind of figure out what that space can look like for you in whatever way it can. And so for us, it's like, we like whatever space we've been in, we've been able to find that. And for some other people, they're like, yeah, I'm struggling to find that. I'm struggling to kind of figure out what that looks like for me. Um, and even kind of having that compassion for self as you struggle through that too. Like, I just want to recognize that it might not always look like that for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate, I appreciate you. See, you're reading my mind because I was going to go there. So I appreciate you. That was a great, a great sort of segue and pivot, but I appreciate both perspectives, right? Like Karima, you talked about really, understanding some of the things about yourself so that you can you can also be intentional about what you ask your community for right and so if i don't understand what i need in a moment i don't understand what's scary in a moment then i also am unsure of what to ask my community for and alexis you sort of spoke to right this idea of just like trusting their journey because there are goals are great and working towards goals are great and but the reality is like life is unpredictable and so you have to be okay with some of the unpredictable nature of life and continue and then continue moving towards your goal right and leaning on community in the ways that maybe make sense for you and then Karima to your last point I think about um in my last question before we sort of close was really around for folks who maybe are not as fortunate to feel affinity to a specific community maybe have had challenging experiences with community but desire it, right? What advice do you have for folks who maybe are in a transition or maybe they're not, they're just wanting to cultivate a community of folks that care and that see them and, and support them? What advice would the two of you have for folks who may be in that space right now? Yeah, no, I think it's a really good question. I think one thing that comes to mind for me is we are fortunate to have a lot of online spaces. And so we're not restricted regionally or geographically at all. And so, you know, I shared around, I came into a cohort with three black women. That is unheard of. What? My whole life I was told I was going to be the only one. And so there, there's, there's so many spaces um, on different platforms where people are able to connect with folks based on a variety, variety, variety 
variety of um, identities, um, interests, and things of that nature. And so if, if folks are having trouble finding maybe community where they are physically, I would um, encourage to also um, maybe explore online spaces um, as an alternative. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I just, um, yeah, I think that the online piece and recognizing that that is just as much a way of connection. While there's a lot of like, like a lot of kind of, you know, negative things people can say about the online space in some capacity. In a lot of ways, it can be really um, affirming for folks and like connecting. Um, so I think that that is definitely helpful. Um, I just kind of had this conversation with one of my close friends, actually, um, as they kind of know it looks like. And we were really just talking about putting themselves out there in a way where they can kind of try new things. Um, and so if that looks like kind of going to an event um, or uh, attending some type of workshop or something along those lines, some type of activity, those there are these kind of spaces where people are like doing these different things, running clubs or um, deciding to like bike or stuff like that, where people like kind of come together in groups mm-hmm. to do these things together. And then maybe even being able to kind of connect with people that way. Um, and I had, so the next day I had sent my friend this tweet that I saw where they were like, don't let people, uh, people are miserable. Don't let them tell you what you can do. Like you can do something new if you want to, right? Like if you want to try something new, if you want to like learn how to swim or go do this thing, like you can do that. And I think that that is just so affirming to know that again, at any point you can decide that you want to learn something new or do something different. And you may even find the community within that kind of new space that you hadn't been in before. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely love that. Um, and think both of those are really like practical opportunities for folks. Um, like there's always an opportunity to try something new, to try something different, to reinvent yourself, right? And whatever that looks like, pick up a new hobby, whatever that is. And then I think about the online space. Um, I have one of my uh, mentors who I love dearly. Um, we met on Instagram. And that's my, that's my dog, like my dog. But when I met her, she lived in South Africa, right? Still have not, we still haven't met in person. It's, it's on the to-do list in the next couple months. But like, we have been able to develop like this really strong connection, relationship, mentorship, um, relationship, like via Zoom and FaceTime and text. Right. Because we've lived on the on other sides of the world for most of our most of our connection. And so I think that that's a real thing. Right. That there's so much there's lots of critiques about what's happening online and social media and all of these things. But there's there's something to be said about how it really opens up the opportunity for us to get to know folks who we might not have met in in any other space, but in online space. And so I appreciate both of those perspectives, hopefully. Listeners who maybe are feeling that or might be feeling that, right, take something from that and are able to lean in, lean in and maybe find some community in some way. Um, as we wrap, I have a closing statement that I would love for both of you to finish. I'll ask Alexis to go first. Um, the statement is, I have permission to. Because. Okay. Of course. So I am forever inspired by Michelle Obama's Becoming. I mm-hmm. think it 
to we are always ever evolving. Um, I don't I don't think any part of life is a destination. I think it's always a journey. And so giving my permission to trust that journey, knowing that again, it's, it's ever is ever evolving. I am always becoming. We set these goals, we get there, but that's not the end, right? We're it's we're always yeah, just trusting the journey. So that, that was good. How much is after that? Um and then I thought of two as I was sitting here. So now I'm trying to figure out which one to choose. But I'm going to choose. I have permission to or give myself permission to dream. Um, I think that there is a way in which sometimes we can, you know, get into this adulthood and we're like, I'm here. This is what I do. This is how I do it. This is even like the idea of kind of thinking um and dreaming feels like oh that's something I did before when I was young or when I had the time or the space and so yeah I think as we talked about this kind of idea of pivoting it's also like dreaming up you know what do you want this this world to look like what do you want what you're doing to look like what do you want to see what do you want to see actualize all of that is you know, all of that started with an idea um so yeah the idea of dreaming is mm-hmm. is big I love that. Both of them are like so simple, but so impactful. And I love that. Yes. Um, Alexis and Krima, can you all let us know for audience members who maybe want to continue to follow your journeys and see what y'all are doing? What are the best ways for folks to connect with you? Yes. So I just made a LinkedIn, y'all. I need some connections. My brother say it don't count unless I have more connections. So... <laughs> um, you can find me on LinkedIn at Alexis Jones. It may be hard to find me because my name is very common. But if you see an Alexis Jones, yeah, also University, LinkedIn. I've been telling Alexis to get a LinkedIn for to three <laughs> and a half, not four, probably four years. <laughs> so, so reference LinkedIn. No, yeah. So my LinkedIn is pretty much better. Smith. I'm sure. Um, also Auburn or UVA should be a kind of attached to that. Um. Yeah, just would love to connect on there. It's always so it's, it's so nice to be able to kind of see um, how folks are doing the things that they're doing, and when they, you know, your professional social media is is how I think about LinkedIn. So when people put compliments or things that they are achieving LinkedIn, in their roles, sure. it's always it's always so heartwarming to hear, even in different industries. Yeah, I love it. Well, I would definitely link both Karima and Alexis's linked in in the show notes for those of you who may want to connect with them offline. Um, Karima and Alexis, thank you all so much. Um, I just want to take a moment to give both of you your flowers um, to have seen you all really excel at Auburn and continue to excel in both personally and professionally and find joy and also be an inspiration to others, um, continue to create space, particularly for Black women to excel um, and to find community, particularly in the space of psychology, I think is a really um, admirable and needed um, space. And so thank you all so much for being the people that you are, for being role models um, and coaches in so many ways to other folks who are coming behind you. Um, And I'm just so proud of y'all and I can't wait. Um, to celebrate Dr. Smith and Dr. Jones very, very, very soon. You already know I'm I'm finna hype y'all. If don't nobody else do it, y'all know I'm gonna do it. Um, and so just wanted to give y'all your flowers. I'm so proud of you all and so happy to be in community with you all. Glad that 
Auburn brought us together and looking forward to staying connected with you all. Um, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us for the Permission to Pivot podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes in season two where I'm talking to mental health experts, wellness experts, and enthusiasts about how to master your mindset as you navigate whatever pivot that you're currently in. Um, if you like this episode, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, leave us a review, and maybe share with a friend who may need it just as much as you. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.